Life Radio. Stories at the intersection of music and life. to another episode of Music Life Radio. I am your host, Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com, and it features interviews and stories about and related to music. Simon Godfrey is a prog musician out of the UK who is most known for the band Tiny Fish which he sings, plays guitar, and has recorded drums on their studio albums. He has just released an album under the moniker Shine Back. I spoke with him just after he finished the album. Tell me about your earliest memory of music. I think my earliest memory of music was was my mother playing um, an album by a band called The Fifth Dimension. Um, and they, they, they were of, of uh, up, up and away fame. And uh, I always remember that as I was like five years old, I think, and being fascinated because the the old Capitol Records logo on the vinyl is uh, a black logo, but it's got this sort of multicolored colors of the rainbow around the outside, and it would spin round, and it, I was just I could watch it for hours. It was fantastic, uh, and I just remember listening to that album an awful lot, and it was sort of I don't know, sort of halfway between Mummers and the Puppers and Beach Boys, really. So that was really my earliest memory of music, certainly the one that, that a coherent memory anyway. And when did you first start playing music? The very first instrument I picked up was was, was a guitar, because I think I got given a guitar for Christmas. You know you know that hundreds of things that parents do. Well, he does he like this? No, he doesn't. Does he like flamethrowers? No, he doesn't. So we'll, we'll get him a guitar or something. Um and uh, and I think I got a guitar, but I never played it. I never really played it. Um, and it sort of gathered dust for years and years and years. And then I got into, um, I, I don't know, some, somewhere uh, during my mid-teens, I decided that music was the best thing in the world. And, and that's when I think I sort of started to pick it up again. But it wasn't ever my first instrument. Um, drums was what I really first started playing. And that was when I was about, I started really late. I think it was about 18 or 19 when I first really seriously started playing and what music inspired you early on prog 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 yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i think i think really to be honest with you it started i think as most kids does it starts with chart music and and back in the day when we were first listening to to music it was all the new wave stuff like squeeze and the police and elvis costello um i was too young for punk I didn't, I, I was, you know, I, I suppose if I'd have been more interested earlier, I might have heard a little bit more. But those were the bands that, that really um, caught my attention. And XTC, a uh, big fan of XTC. Um, and then I think almost immediately from that, I think the very first album I ever bought with my own, the very first album I ever owned was, was Out of the Blue by ELO. But the very first album I ever bought with my own money was Peter Gabriel 3. And... Uh, from Peter Gabriel 3, that was the gateway into progressive rock music, basically, and Genesis, and I worked my way back through the catalogue, and, and Floyd, and Yes, and King Crimson, Tull, all of that kind of stuff sort of came on hot on the heels of that very first purchase. Can you tell me about your past bands? 
including the one you were in with your brother, Jem? I was, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, is that his name? Jem? Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember him. Actually, I have a brother named Jeremiah, too. Oh, really? Oh, well, there you are. Is he a younger or an older brother? He's two years younger. Oh, well, in that case, that's great. Being an older brother, you can torture them for the, uh, you know, until the ends of the earth, you see. I think the first band we were in, I was in a really crappy college band called Blackstone Edge, and we were, we, we never made a sound, but we did do a photo shoot, and there's us in a graveyard, you know, trying to look really earnest and really looking like dickheads, really, if I'm being honest with you. Um, and then we, uh, we, we formed this band very hot on the heels of that, um, called Freefall, and that was when my brother uh, joined the band. And the only reason my brother is is it was in the band, and I'd like to think the only reason why he's in music today is because we were rehearsing, and my dad said, "Take your brother down to the rehearsal studio, uh, just let him go." And of course, he was a young, an annoying younger brother, and I was going, "Well, do I, Dad, do I have to?" Yes, take him down to the studio. So I took him down. Uh, to our rehearsal and of course he was sitting there wide-eyed with nothing to do so we gave him a keyboard we said there you are there's a keyboard and he he went great i'm in the band you know and uh and so as a result we sort of we were rehearsed in this very 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 dingy and very very smelly place in south london run by these two rastafarian guys called jerry and sippy and uh, they were, you know, you could get stoned by licking the walls, I think. Um, uh, but it was, it was, that was where we first started. And, and Freefall sort of grew out of that sort of jamming band. And it became very obvious that Jem was, Jem just applied himself incredibly well to the keyboards. And he was, you know, he just played it every hour of the day. He was, just, that was all he did. Um, and he basically, um, he basically became the best player in the band very, very quickly. He was a 10-hour-a-day man, you know, right from the word get-go. You know, basically, once he got it, he was really into it, and that's all he ever did. Um, and then we we sort of played the, the, the sort of progressive circuit of the, of the, the late 1980s, I think, um, uh, not being very good, but not caring a, a bit. You know, we honestly thought, as most bands should, that we were the best band in the world um and uh and and we weren't obviously but uh uh that went on until the early 90s when that sort of split up and we all went in our separate directions basically um and 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 really that was that was our first that was my first proper band really was freefall really and what did you do after that were you in other groups uh for the very first 10 years of my life i didn't play any guitar or any any keyboards or any ba- uh, no any, that was all i did i did play drums so I went out and tried to do session work as a drummer, and it was okay. I mean, I wasn't a great drummer, but I, I, I could keep a beat. I could play to a click track. You know, I, I could do it. Um, but that sort of dried up, and and that's when I sort of returned to that that guitar I was given as a 14-year-old and sort of started thrashing about on that, really, to see whether or not there was anything I could do with that. And I, I started going on to the... Uh, the open mic scenes, you know, you know, the nights where you go down to a club and they let you play to, you can just roll up, you can rock up to these clubs, uh, put your name down on a list and you can play two songs or three songs. And it's just a whole load of people just playing nine times out of 10. It, it's, it's some, some person singing a terrible dirge about rainy days, you know, uh, 
uh, yeah well, you know how it is but um we all want to go and and i had a go and and i found i i could do it you know even with the crappy songs that i'd written and i i spent a good few years doing the the, the acoustic scene in london and the southeast um and uh, and that that got i got quite successful with that um and i we did a, an album um and i basically what happened was uh paul warwood who was in freefall uh and jim sanders who was also in freefall the bass player and the guitarist retro, uh, respectively joined me in this this acoustic band that was called men are dead and then that went on for a few years and then we started to do the more progressive stuff again you know how you know everything's circular um and we uh, we we started to play longer songs with slightly more complex arrangements and stuff and we we were starting to piss off the crowds uh because you know these songs were starting to stretch out and they only like you there for like you know they they're all very enthusiastic for you for those first five minutes but any longer than that and it's piss off get off stage my turn next so uh we decided to knock that acoustic band on the head uh and that's when uh tiny fish was formed uh and and it was it was at a it was i i can't remember now if it was if it was actually at a uh, at a men are dead rehearsal that jim first suggested the name uh or it was a, i think it was no, I, now i've come to think but i think it was an email i sent him an email and said um do you fancy doing a prog band again? Um, and I, I think it was Jim that came up with the name Tiny Fish at one rehearsal, and it, the name stuck. Um, and that's how we started getting into playing progressive rock again. So that was about 2003, 2004? Yes, about that. Uh, we started seriously recording the first album around about 2000. Mm-mm. I would say the end of 2004, start of 2005 was the, was the debut Tiny Fish album was when we started recording it. And because we didn't know how to do it, it took us ages. Well, it takes me ages to do anything. Well, you have to record drums, guitar, and vocals, don't you? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have... And you did that on all the albums? Uh, on the, all of the albums thus far, except the live album, uh, the one we did in Poland, and hopefully the DVD and the live album that we, that we recorded in Rosfest um, in 2010. Leon Camfield, our current live drummer, is, is on that, and hopefully he'll be on the on whatever project we do next but yeah up until that point the two um the two albums and the and the the mini album ep curious things so those were all me on drums yes packed into pieces packed into boxes for a night flight across the cape i made my escape before the black cold dog's noses could touch my thighs I poured myself a drink for the suicidal into a chair and proceeded to twist the bottle's neck until I woke up in Ecuador with two pairs of pants and a big bone nurse who said she had contacts. On the inside, that is. I'd left it all for $15 a day plus expenses. A tidy sum if you spend it all on bones. So now it's the right time. Where the liquid black runs out through the streets, and the back of beyond is right next door. It's time to get some real work done.
must take quite a bit of energy to do all that. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there was quite a, a, a fairly long break between the first album and the second album, and and I had to learn how to play drums again. Quite, I, I knew that I had a session coming up to, to record all the drums, and I, I just used electronic drums and samples up until that point just to flesh out the arrangements. So I took uh, two months out, and I just sort of sat down with with some tut- uh, sort of like you know I think I I I went to a store and I bought two DVDs. I think I bought Mike Portnoy's How to Play Drums Like a Progressive Person Really Well. And and um, and and Neil Peart, how to do it in a Canadian style, um, and uh, we uh, and I used those as and I cribbed it and I I got all my chops back in those eight weeks, just in time really to play the the session, um, at a a studio run by uh, do you know John Mitchell uh, of It Bites and and Frost, <clears throat> he has a studio um, where he lives uh, called Outhouse Studios and. We went there for a, for a weekend, and I just sat in a in a booth and and played drums. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, it was uh, it was it was it was a lot of fun actually. But I'll be really honest with you, it's not something I I would prefer to do now. I, I'd much prefer singing and playing guitar and and playing a bit of keyboards now. And I'll be really honest with you. Leon's a much better drummer, so why why not get him to do the next project? Well, so did Leon come on board as the live drummer early on? We released the first album, the, the eponymous album, Tiny Fish, in 2007. We got a good... We never intended to, to, to play live. We, it was literally just, can we make a progressive rock album? And we got a very, very good response here in the UK, and, and people were sort of saying, can you play live? Can you play live? You know, we really want you to play live. So we started auditioning drummers, and uh, we found one guy. Um, I think his name was Steve, and um, he was very enthusiastic initially about it. But I think he he worked for Dolby, the uh, the, the sound production people, um, and I think he's he either wasn't interested in the band uh, and said I'm too busy, or he genuinely was too busy. I don't know, but he sort of fell out of the uh, of the nest of his own accord. Uh, and we we were looking around for drummers and um, Jim, again, always Jim is the saviour in this respect. Um, he said, well, I, I know a guy who who used to be in a band who who knows a drummer. And uh, and I think that's how he got in contact with Leon. And Leon came down to this studio where I am today. And uh, he uh, he sat behind my electronic drum kit. Um, and he was brilliant. And not only was he brilliant, he was he had our the, our, the chemistry was right. He had our same the same sense of humour we did, um, and he was uh, he's just very funny and he he was great, very sort of like open and and uh, and uh, and talkative. And he instantly sort of like made himself at home, and that instantly relaxed us. And the vibe was just great. And he's been with us ever since. I think was two thousand. Yeah, I think he joined us in two thousand early 2007 and i think our first gig was in july of the same year and uh, and it was great really really good and basically he's been a a stain on our character ever since really so what is the status of tiny fish now uh the status of the band is that it's still alive go well i say alive it's still an ongoing project it's not we haven't broken up um we are planning to uh start writing uh, over the summer of this year for uh, a new Tiny Fish album. 
Um, and the idea is that we will release that album um, at some point in the future. I know that every time I keep saying, um, oh, we'll release an album in 2014 or, or whatever, just the, the deadline goes rushing by. And, of course, by ne- that I've learned through bitter experience now never to say we expect to have an album out by such and such a date. But, uh, but we, yeah, we are planning. We're going to go back into the studio sometime this year and uh, and start recording a new album well so tell me about the shineback project how did that come about um well shineback was um again uh you could you could say that uh, part of the reason that shineback exists is is because of leon canfield we were um uh we just finished the big red spark tour and uh i'd been writing uh demos for the new tiny fish album for about for about two months and he was over um I can't remember what the reason why, but he was over at the studio one day and, and I played him some of the stuff and I said, what do you think? And he said, you know, I like it, but there is one issue. And I said, what's that? And he said, it sounds like the big red spark. And, uh, and I, I took that on board and he, he left for the day and, and I was sort of sitting there in the evening listening to it. And, and I had to agree with him. It sounded, it sounded like the big red spark part two. So I decided what would be the best thing to do is I because I didn't want it to be the Big Red Spark Part Two certainly from a from a sound perspective, I decided it would be a good idea to go away and do a little bit of research and development, you know, a la sort of King Crimson and the projects. Uh, and I thought to myself the best way to do that would be to uh, to write an album um, and 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 really throw it out there, you know, try try and leave it all on the field and. Um, and, and and push and so i decided what would be the best way to uh to try and break the habits of uh of, of the big red spark uh and that decision came with me dispensing with the guitar i decided that i would only use keyboards this time round, um and that's how shineback got started it's uh it's a sort of cinematic electronic um uh affair with 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 i mean i'm not saying that it's it's a uh it, it's a jean-michel jarre album but it, it's there's a lot more electronica in this than that there would be in, in in tiny fish although there are lots of elements of uh of rock and, and progressive uh rock in there because i've got a whole lot of artists in i've got um uh matt stevens of a band called the fierce and the dead uh a gentleman called hen rogers from a band called the Expus and touchstone andy ditchfield who is also the guitarist and singer in the expus uh, i've got deck burke uh, who's playing a little bit on the album he's um he's obviously from frost and from his new band alpha flood uh and, and a great guitarist called um uh hal bennett who is um he's he's a fabulous guy i really got a lot of time for him and uh he was uh uh deck burke's backup second guitarist and rhythm guitarist in deck's solo band um and a, a great bulgarian singer of all of all uh, places uh called danny claire and she's got a fabulous voice and all of these elements put together make it sound you'd probably recognize it as, as the kind of music that i'm writing but it sounds very different and the idea behind shineback is to is to clear the palette a little bit um and do something a bit different uh outside the the tiny fish world and so far i think we've succeeded
you tell me a bit about your writing process and do you go anywhere, like say, to be inspired? No, if I'm being really honest with you, most, or at least I haven't encountered it thus far. Um, inspiration comes irrespective of location. Uh, and so I can be just about anywhere, really. And, and so if an idea comes up on a guitar or, I mean, I can, I've written part, some of the riffs uh, that, uh, that I created for Shineback were written on my iPhone. Uh, which I then sort of like ported the ideas across. Some of the stuff was was uh, me sitting in front of uh, just you know uh, a, a dictaphone and strumming some chords into a guitar and singing. Others were just ideas which came out of of loops and samples which I had on my in my library of loops and samples and me singing over it. Um, there's a lot to be said about about using loops and samples because one of the things that you find yourself doing if you're a guitarist or a keyboard player is your fingers find familiar chords. Um, and as a result, because they find familiar chords and familiar patterns of rhythm and, and arrangement, you start to get into a rut. And one of the great things about uh, using samples and loops is that they weren't made by you. And as a result, they can spring springboard you into ideas that maybe you wouldn't conceivably have attempted behind a guitar or a keyboard. Um, and that's one of the reasons why um, I enjoy writing in just about any format in any place, um, because I think really what it you as long as you can break the habits or at least use those habits wisely, you'll come up with something interesting. What does music mean to you? Music for me is a way of not going mad. Um, you'll probably have this if you're a, if you're a runner and you're a marathon runner or you're a sprinter or something. It's what you were built to do. Uh, and if you don't run for a while, you get itchy feet. You, if, if, if it's something you love doing, you need to do it. Um, and as a result, it's exactly what I'd, I need to do this. It, I'm not saying that I need to be a musician or it's anything particularly metaphysical, but it's, there's a desire in, uh, to create uh, and, and to contribute. And I, I enjoy contributing um, or, you know, it, it could be as simple as sort of like writing a throwaway song on an acoustic guitar. It could be something as involved as, as an entire album. But as long as you're creating something, it's like there's a there's a uh, I always remember someone that once said that uh, creativity is, is, is a little bit like a jug and you, you tip yourself out. You pour yourself out and you empty yourself and then the jug refills itself again. And there's a point past which that it has to be emptied again. And that's part of the reason why I, I write. I write. I write basically to 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 get stuff out of myself. Yeah, it's therapeutic. Yeah, I think yeah, therapy. Uh, do you know? I wish. I wish. I. I really wish I'd thought of that. Why couldn't I have just said therapy? Well, do you have any funny stories? Maybe a gig story from over the years. Uh, do you know? We were. I was talking with um, Robert Ramsey um, about about our. Life on the road with with Tiny Fish. We we spent five years um, uh, sort of playing gigs and touring, uh, and it was a lot of fun. But we were looking back at some of our favourite gigs and some of our our least favourite gigs, and, and I think one of our one of every every band has that one gig which is just the nightmare. It's it's the one where you turn up and you go, "Why am I doing this?" And we did have, fortunately, it. We had this one gig, and it was very early on. I think it was only about the third or fourth gig we ever played. 
Uh, and I won't name the it's not the venue isn't there any longer, but I don't want to piss anybody off that was particularly there uh, on on the night. But we turned up at this venue, and it was a long way away from where we lived, and um, uh, it was it was one of those classic things where you you arrived and you were definitely made to feel as though you weren't welcome. You know, you were an outsider, um, and uh, you were entering you were encroaching into their territory. And I'm not talking about the the audience; I'm talking about the venue. Um, and it was uh, we were we were made to feel distinctly unwelcome that night, and I don't know whether or not that was because we were just playing progressive rock, but uh, it seemed that every single turn we had there was an issue. Um, and I always remember Leon, our drummer at the night. Um, uh, we we played this gig, and it just there just was no chemistry on stage. We just weren't working. Uh, and on those nights, you have to dig deep. You have to go, okay, what well, we're on stage. And I always remember that evening. They had a, there was a curtain. It was the very first time, and in fact, the only time I think I've ever been on stage where the stage had a curtain that went up. And so we're standing behind this curtain, and the audience are on the other side of it. And there were a fair few number of people there. Um, and we're standing there, and we're just about to play, and the curtain is just about to go off, go up, and um, Jim's guitar strap breaks, and his prized Les Paul crashes to the ground smashes into the neck the neck is and he's bent all of the tuning pegs on one side of his of his of his beloved les paul guitar and the curtain goes up that's when the and the, you know we're frozen in this in this tableau of sort of like shock as as uh, as jim is picking the guitar up and the audience are looking at this expectantly and of course we can't play a note because his guitar's broken and so i don't know how he did it but he's sort of like he's 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 one of these people that's very much he's grace under pressure he's he's a cool head in a in a tense situation he picked the guitar up he checked the tuning and just retuned it using the bent tuners and gave us the nod and off we went and i think from that moment on we knew that the gig was never going to be ours and i remember the second song in um we, we we had this sort of intro to this song and we we just were going around it and i just couldn't remember the first line of the song i just couldn't do it and and as a result we're vamping around this light and everybody thought what the hell's going on here and i started walking around the members of the band while we're playing on stage saying i've forgotten the first line can you tell me what it is and no one in the band could remember the first line not even yet yeah, not even rob ramsey who wrote the lyrics he was standing off to one side of the stage. He, we all had a blank. And then, I don't know, I think it was Paul, our bass player, suddenly went, it's this. And, uh, and we, so as a result, we, um, we managed to sort of stagger through that gig. And I always remember at the end of the gig, um, uh, Robert sort of wandered up to, to Leon and said, that was a bit of a gig and a half. And Leon said, yeah, it wasn't great. And he said... Um, I couldn't decide uh, when we were playing on stage. I couldn't. I, I didn't know if I was going today. I was going to be angry or horny. And uh, Robert said, "Well, I'm glad you chose angry, because we'd have been in trouble if it had been the other one." Um, but that was just one of those gigs where you just know you've just got to dig deep. It wasn't going to work. We got out of there with our lives, so we were happy. Um, and then on to the next gig, really. So are you actually playing Rosfest this year, or are you just going? I am going to Rosfest. Um, I'm going to Rosfest. I'm not playing Rosfest, but I'm going to... We had such a great time when we played Rosfest. The audience um, 
there were astonishingly nice to us um it was it was like playing in front of a home crowd and and speaking personally i personally it was my favorite gig um ever we played some blinders in the uk we played some really good uh gigs uh the, the one in poland was really good as well but speaking personally uh, i i really enjoyed that gig um i can't say for the rest of the band but as a result i wanted to go back so i'm going back there as um as a as a as a, as a private individual should we say um just to shake people's hands and sort of like go all right how are you doing so has tiny fish played with frost no well we have played with frost we we did we we i think on a we did one gig where frost were doing uh an acoustic set i think they were doing an acoustic set and we were doing an acoustic set that was one night where we had um it, that was a good evening actually i thoroughly enjoyed that evening i think that was the uh i think that might have been one of the defense of the realm ones um but we also we also supported uh Jem when he was doing the defense of the realm gigs as well that was um uh him um uh who who was it? who was the other guys tim Oh yeah, it was it was him, John Mitchell, Peter Avis from Marillion, and oh, and Craig Blundell also of of Frost uh, fame as well. And they were doing their, they were sort of like doing a melange of all of the stuff that the the guys had done individually. So they did a bit of Marillion stuff, did some It Bites, did some Frost. That was a good gig. Yeah, and the Kino album. Yeah, and they yeah, and they played some of the stuff of the Kino album. They did uh, Loser's Day Pro. It was a very good version that night as well, and they blew the roof off the place as well. Well, so how soon before we actually get to hear any of the Shineback stuff? Are you just about done with the recording? Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, actually, you've you've uh, you've reached us on on the penultimate day. Um, both myself and Tim are working on the uh, the mix downs. We're about to sending it off send it off to um, to uh, to a studio to be mastered um, on Monday, and there's a listening session uh, here at the studio tomorrow with. Uh, the guys at uh, at BEM Bad Elephant Music, who I'm signed to, um, uh, and the only other thing that that's happening beyond that is I'm actually playing an acoustic set at uh, the the London Festival Celebrate as well. Um, uh, the the Celebrate is is one of these uh, festivals. It's in its second year. It was very successful um, uh, first year, uh, and you've got bands like District Ninety Seven uh, playing there this year and Mystery. Uh, and Harvest, and uh, who were some of the other bands? Oh yeah, and Frost, of course, Gem. <laughs> yeah, so Frost are playing as well. So it's going to be. It's, I think that's going to be a. Uh, if you're certainly if you're in the area or if you can make it over, I think it's going to be a, a must see festival. Well, it's the week after Rosfest, so I'm I'm being very very greedy because I'm going to be at Rosfest. I'm flying back and then I'm playing at Celebrate, so uh, it's going to be two weeks of festivals for me. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to that, and of course I'm also planning to go to the uh, Summer's End Festival as well, which is uh, which is held in uh, in Lydney in uh, in in the West Country in England uh, once a year as well. So that's it's a full on festival summer for me. All right, Simon. Well, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. All right, man. Take care. I'd like to thank my guest, Simon Godfrey. For more on Simon, please check out shineback.org and tinyfish.org. And I highly recommend you check out his brother's band, Frost. We're going to leave you with the track off the new Shineback album. This is Shineback with Passengers. 
I'm Josh Almond for Music Life Radio. Things you say 